The book of Daniel chapter 6, I've been preaching about lions. We're fixing to go amongst them right now. I talked to you of several weeks now. And this is the third. About locking eyes with your lion. And this is perhaps one of the most popular stories of the scripture. Maybe among the top five. But I'm not using it because it's familiar. I'm using it because it's fresh, it's live, it's, it's right now word. Chapter 6, Daniel, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king might, would not suffer any loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they couldn't find, they couldn't find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Amen? Nor was there any error of fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against his, him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors and the, of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written agreement, a written document, decree. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. Since early days. Oh, how I want the river to flow and the anointing to keep flowing for your and for this service. I do not want to be extemporaneous for the sake of occupying your time, but I believe there'll be a fresh wind of the Holy Ghost to visit us. Oh, reach your hands this way. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. Let's pray together. I pray for fresh oil, fresh anointing. Oh, cool. Come on, come on. Help me. Pray for me here. God. I'm not here to do a pastoral responsibility this morning alone. I'm not just here, God, uh, because they need a preacher. We all need God. And so I pray that you'd impart wisdom, knowledge, direction, and guidance for this service and for every life upon all of us. Oh, Holy Spirit, rise up among us. I resist, as has already been prayed, I resist anything of the devil that would steal the jewels, the nuggets, the life, the bread, the energy of the Word of God. God, we don't just want to be informed. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So, uh, this, this little video you're going to see in just a minute. It's less than a minute. But it helped me set the stage of preaching about lions. First Sunday in the series, I preached about 
Benaiah in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Benaiah who chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed him. Last Sunday I preached about impossible odds and I talked about Gideon who faced impossible odds. Because the enemies, the Midianites, were so numerous and so powerful. They were like a lion-like dominion over the people of God. Last Sunday I told you about David, the lion chaser. You remember the story of David that when a bear or a lion on two separate occasions came against his lambs, of which he was a shepherd, how the anointing came on him. Can I get a witness? And then today, Daniel in the lion's den. Let me set the stage. Dim the lights. Show this video. The cat, the cat is trying to come up the stairs. Do you see her? Uh, I don't want to mess with that dog. Is what the dog's thinking. Look who's barking now. Can I get a witness, somebody? Because of Jesus, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, that barking devil, who is like a roaring lion, has been rendered clawless and toothless, and all he's got is a roar. But Jesus has got the power over the devil and all his demons. That's the God you serve. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Thank you, Brother Philip Bowden. He was in the first service. I'll send that over to the church. I don't show every video that comes through here, but I like that one. (laughs) Sets the stage. What you worried about? If you got Jesus. (laughs) Now, here we are in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. And Daniel is about 80 years old in this context. He's been serving the Lord openly, unashamedly all his life. He's been serving in the government from a young man. He and the rest of the Jews are in captivity living in a foreign land that's called Babylon under a foreign ruler. But because he's chosen to serve God in spite of being in a foreign land, a foreign culture, away from the house of God, God's given him favor and blessed Daniel during this time, allowing him to be given positions of power and influence in the government that rules over the land over which he's under their dominion. The Bible talks about a man who comes to power whose name is Darius. He becomes a ruler, the ruler of Babylon. He sets up a new system of government in which Daniel was one of the top administrators under the king. Again, Daniel served faithfully in the position, and he was so successful that the king was planning, according to our text, the king was planning to promote him above all the other officials of the land. Some of the other officials didn't like 
the fact that Daniel was a Jew and that he would be higher in rank than them who were natives of their own nation. So they plotted against Daniel. And as they plotted against him, they noticed something about Daniel that we read about in chapter 6 and verse 5 that says this. Then these men, meaning Daniel's enemies, they said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You see, Daniel was in a custom of opening worshiply, uh, worshiping openly before God. It was obvious to everyone, whether they liked it or not, that Daniel loved his God. His enemies knew that the only way to get Daniel to do something that would get him at odds against the king and move him from the favor of the king is if they come up with a plan to find a way to get Daniel to break a rule of the king, thus putting him in this favor. They plotted his demise. The enemies of Daniel had the king make up a law that for 30 days, one month, no one could pray to any god except the king himself. And the law would say that anyone who prayed to a god other than the king must be thrown into the lion's den, which was a form of execution. The king liked the idea because it appealed to his ego. They pumped him up. You the man, king. You, you, are, you are such the man. You're such a man of power and authority and position. Why, like you ain't even a man. You like God. So everybody should pray to you for at least one month if they're going to pray to anybody. The king wrote the decree, signed it, sealed it with his ring. It became a law. Now, since Daniel was such a high-ranking government official among the top three, he learned about the law immediately. He knew that people would be watching him after this law was signed because they were watching him before. He could have changed his daily routine. He could have worshipped God secretly instead of openly just to stay out of trouble. But that's not what he did. Here, in verse 10 of the same chapter, is what he did. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, the holy city, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. People were watching including his enemies. And in verse 11, the Bible says that his enemies assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before God. And they said, we got him. They went directly to the king and told the king, as the further verses of this chapter will tell you, that king, didn't you sign a law, make a decree? And anybody, I don't care how high up in government they are in or how low they are in the social structure of our, our citizenry, anybody who prays to any other god but you for the next 30 days, didn't you say they'd be thrown in lines then? King said, I said it, Daniel has broken your law. Now, now the king liked Daniel. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Scripture says he was considering 
putting him, in verse 3, the last part, over the whole realm like the prime minister right under him. He didn't want to kill Daniel over some silly law about praying to the king. But the king realized that he'd been deceived by Daniel's enemy. And because he was afraid not to do anything according to the law, he gave the command that Daniel should be thrown in the lion's den. And verse 16 says the king, though reluctantly doing it, because he knew that Daniel was a man of God and a man of prayer, he, he bade him a good wish or blessing when he said in verse 16, Your God whom you serve continually, He will deliver you. I tell you, there are people who may not believe like you believe, but if you believe in God, they're going to be your encouragers sometimes. Verse 17, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Hence the title of our lesson today, In the Lion's Den. But here's a statement I want to make right here for the next few minutes that we have together. I want to make a foundational statement that goes like this. Daniel lived among the lions before he was cast into the lion's den. i got, I got to help you understand that. Literally, he was thrown in a den, a pit of lions that could have had 10 to 20 hungry, flesh-eating, bloodthirsty lions. They ate flesh, animal flesh or human flesh. You understand that in the, in the old days, in the early days of the church, and especially in, 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 the, in, the, in the country of, of, of Italy and the city of Rome, you understand that when Christians became, uh, uh, were being persecuted after Pentecost, etc., that one of the ways that Christians were persecuted and sent to their death was to be placed in these large arenas where spectators would come, the amphitheaters, and they would be thrown to hungry lions for the people to be entertained. How many know that's history? It didn't just start there. Daniel was living among lions before he got among lions. There's another man in the Bible who lived among lions. He he didn't mind saying it. His name was David. And David was called of God at an early age to be groomed by God to become the next king of Israel in the place of Saul because Saul had fell out of favor with God by deliberately disobeying God. And so God said to Saul, since you're not going to do what I asked you to do, I'm going to raise me up somebody who will. And God's favor began to be transferred from Saul, grooming David to get ready to be the next king. But it made Saul extremely jealous about God's favor on David. And on several occasions, Saul tried to kill David premeditatively, deliberately. One time sitting at the dinner table, Saul sitting here and David sitting on the other end. And Saul takes his javelin and throws it at him and barely misses him. Two or three different occasions because of Saul's intense jealousy. And even though David's just doing what he's supposed to do as a soldier and a servant. Sometimes playing music to calm the spirit of the very man who's trying to kill him. Saul would get his entourage, he'd get his best military person, his best skills. And he would go chasing all over the deserts of that part of the world. Looking in caves and mountainsides. Trying to find David so he could kill him. And it caused David to say this on one occasion. Psalm 57 and 4. My soul is among lions. Running for my life. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue as sharp as a sword. I like the rendering of the Good News Bible. It puts it in today's vernacular. Here's what the Good News Bible says about the same verse. I am surrounded by enemies who are like lions, hungry for human flesh. 
Their teeth are like spears and arrows. Their tongues are like sharp swords. The men who succeeded in having Daniel thrown in the lion's den, they can be described as lions in Daniel's life. Let me go further. Daniel lived among lions. Figuratively and literally. He lived among the lions of jealousy. His enemies could not stand that he would be promoted above them, especially he being a Jew in their native land. How dare we answer to a foreigner? Jealousy. He wasn't a young man. He wasn't in the, in the age span of things. He was about 80 years old, so he, he was, of course, older than some and maybe younger than a few. And they thought, how can he be promoted? Jealousy. Jealousy because... If, if, if he was to be promoted, it indicated that he had more talent and abilities. And they were jealous of his talent and abilities. Jealousy over the fact that if he's promoted to prime minister, he may get better pay and better status. And so he lived among the lions of jealousy. But that wasn't all. He lived among the lions of competition. The other 120 of the satraps, administrators, and governors of the land... Among them, there were those who were competing for the top spot. They wanted to be the man closest to the king. They wanted to be the king's confidant. And the very fact that Daniel was headed that way made a lot of them very jealous and competitive. Lions. He lived among the lions of greed. What do you mean, pastor? With this promotion of prime minister of Babylon... Would come increased wealth and increased fame. And that made some folks mad because even though they were well off, some of these political leaders were far better off than the commoner, yet they still wanted more. They didn't want Daniel to have it. He lived among the lions of jealousy, competition, greed, but he also lived among the lions of control. More power meant more control, and these lions would do anything they could to be king of the pride. Sort of like the political climate in America today. Even people in their own parties running for the same office can become so jealous and competitive and greedy and hungry for power that they attack their own peers because they want the big win. So maybe the question for you this morning to me is, what does this idea of living among lions have to do with me and my world on February 19, 2012? I'm glad you asked. Didn't think you would. I wanted to get to it. Unless you're living on another planet someplace else. If you're living in this world like I am, you are living among lions today. Yes. You are living among lions in the place you work, some of you. Because I have lived long enough to know and see that in the workplace, there are people who will do anything to get ahead if it means backstabbing, cursing, swearing, foul language, even sexual immorality in order to get favor with the leaders. 
Living among lions. And if you dare open your mouth that you are a Christian or you love Jesus in some of these lion dens of the places you're, you're working, if you dare even talk about Jesus, I mean those peers who don't believe in Jesus, they're ready to show their lion-like teeth and give their lion-like roar because you love Jesus. I know, I know, I'm preaching better than you shouting, but I keep preaching. Not every school, but many school environments are like lion's dens. They used to have to worry about kids chewing chewing gum. Wanting a little temptation to smoke some cigarettes. But much have changed since I came to America in 1968 till now. Because my wife is an elementary school principal, I have... I'm privy to knowledge that I can't share with you publicly and won't. But enough to make me worry that we're living among lions. Because in our school now, the issues are issues such as bullying, fighting, guns, drugs, sexual promiscuity, no prayers, no talk about God, no teaching the Bible, no teaching moral values, no creationism. Yeah, you can teach evolution. So our schools, in many contexts, have become dens of lions. Don't say amen here, because you could indict yourself and get bit by the lion you're sitting beside. But I have been a pastor for 27 years and married for 33. And I'm telling you, sometimes... And can you have a way to cut this in case she's back there? Sometimes a marriage can be like a lion's den. Yeah, don't say too loud. You're sitting right there and you hope to get dinner. (laughs) Verbal and physical abuse are issues of lion's den kind of marriage. Then there are the real concerns of anger, money troubles, raising children. If that one enough intermarriage can come, the demons of temptations of adultery and fornication and alcohol and drugs. Then other lions roar when it comes to other issues of marriage that have to do with divorce, alimony, child support, custody. Yeah, sometimes a marriage can be a lion's den. Then we live in a world... Where there are lions of opportunity. Don't let that positive word opportunity make you think everything is good. Because the Holy Ghost told me to tell you this. And I wrote it down so I won't forget about this issue of opportunity. I wrote it down and I'd like for you to write it if you'd like. Not all opportunities are worthy of our pursuit. You all didn't hear me. Just because they got God... Hanging over the sign doesn't mean God's anywhere near there. I, I've been there and seen it just because they use the word Christian over their logo. Doesn't mean it's a good opportunity for you. Oh, God, help me here. I know the lions are going to roar at me, God. You know, when I started preaching on lions, they started coming from everywhere. Everything I preach on, I get tested. And everything you believe, if you really believe it, you'll get tested, but you'll pass the test. You see, in America now, we've got technological opportunities. Internet, cell phone, iPad, email, Facebook, 
You don't understand that I'm not on Facebook. And I'm not condemning it. I'm just simply saying that if you want to see my face, show up in church. And I'd like to have the mutual concern that you decide. I'd like to see your face. Let me look at my face. Yes, yes. See, I, I'm kind of like the preacher yesterday at Whitney Houston's funeral. How many of you saw that funeral? I believe the Holy Ghost led me to that funeral. Especially the part when Reverend Wynan got up to preach. I, I kind of feel like he, he, he got up to preach and he said, Now, it was after three hours of everybody getting to say their part. And the good bishop waited his part. And he said, now, now, look, this ain't going to be long. But I sat here for three hours listening to y'all and you're going to listen to me. <laughs> he says, this that I'm about to do here, offer the eulogy, this, this, in his wonderful African-American way of doing it, says, this ain't no speech. I will be preaching. And he said, now, some of which I say you will understand. Anybody watching it? And some of which I say you won't understand. He's talking about talking in tongues. Because I ain't fixing to break good habits, he said. So if I'm talking somewhere and you don't understand it, I ain't talking to you anyhow. Oh, glory, I said. That's how. God bless him, man. He preached. He shucked the corn, got all the way down to the husk. I don't know where I'm going with all this, but yes, I do. I'm telling you, in this culture we have in America, this opportunity thing. Facebook. Pastor, are you against these forms of communication and technology? No. But I am troubled about the way that these devices give opportunity. Say opportunity. Give opportunity for the convenience of sin, such as pornography, right on your phone. Such as hooking up. Come on, y'all not. You know what hooking up is. You ain't that civilized and sophisticated. Yeah. Sexting. Sending pictures and images to other people that are lewd. Uh, you, you know that I ain't running for nothing. All the way from politicians to preachers have been guilty of the same thing. Not every opportunity is worthy of our pursuit. And if you've got an internet service or a cell phone service that's a temptation to you and send you to hell, then you need to discharge it or get rid of it and do like one man did and take his gun and shoot the old computer. Somebody say, Pastor, what do you drink? Orange juice. Ain't that nothing in it but orange juice. When you're getting all that stuff, I'm getting where Jesus said, if your eyes offend, you pluck it out. If you get your hand offend, yeah, yeah. Don't let anything keep you out of heaven. We live in among lions. We live in among the lions of political correctness. If you ain't started roaring yet, you will now. Mr. Jurita Glass, I am happy in the name of Jesus to see you fighting cancer in the house of God this morning. You ain't only fighting it, sister. You're winning. I know your biggest line has always been the man sitting beside you call your husband. I'm praying for you. We know about that. Political correctness. I'm going to tell you something that provokes my heart. And I'm not running for nothing. So if you get just roaring, roar to yourself. I'm not mad. You want to, you, 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 in this politically correct America, you want to get the lines roaring? 
Start preaching against homosexuality and lesbianism. Even in the church. Even in my circles of, of, of supposedly clergy circles. Even Christians can be among lions who are other Christians. Yeah. Now the state of Washington has become the seventh state to approve same-sex marriage. We are living among lions. Thank God for Governor Christie of New Jersey, who on Thursday vetoed that state's. May God raise up some more governors. Yeah. You want to get the lines rolling in this politically correct America where preachers would rather be popular than pure? Start talking about preachers, men and women who are supposedly filling clergies and handling the Bible and they're homosexuals and lesbians and, and tell them that it's an abomination. You get the lines rolling. Let me tell you else what else will get the lines rolling. The Catholic Church should not be the only denomination in America standing against this health care bill that says the church must provide health insurance for its employees that includes contraceptives and birth control methods so that there can even be this drug known as Ella, which is the morning after pill that will kill babies. I'm telling you, it ain't just a Catholic issue. It's an issue of the church of God. and Pen- It ain't just a Democrat, Republican. 54 million babies... I've been killed since 1973. White babies, black babies, Indian babies, Jamaican babies, Asian babies. I'm talking about what the Bible protects. I'd rather be God correct than politically correct. I wish somebody help me praise God. Yeah. I understand government. But the Bible says when those who are over us rule contrary to the word of God, we must stand up and do what is right by the word of God. Yeah. And don't send me no stinking email about opposing it and come and telling me it ain't so. Unless you're full of the Holy Ghost and you got Bible to show me that abortion is okay, then send me an email. I probably won't read it anyhow. I done told you, I, I'm living among lions. I ain't playing with no kitty cat. God help him. Thank you, he is. David said, the lions who are after me are hungry for human flesh. Their teeth are like spears and arrows. Okay, here I go. If Ellen DeGeneres can publicize her trash on... on a national network, and Rosie and that crowd can do their trash. If in the Super Bowl a woman could kiss a woman, and, and if on TV under the guise of comedy and situation ethics a man can be intimate with a man and a woman with a woman in the guise of entertainment and all is fun publicly in my face, in my eyes, I have every God-given right as a man of God, as a born-again believer. I don't have to be a preacher to believe this. I just have to be born again, full with the Holy Ghost, believe in the Word of God. I may be living among lions, but I'm not going to crawl off in a hole and die. Somebody full of the Holy Ghost, say amen. Yeah, yeah. If you want the church of the fridge there, keep going down the road. There are 1,400 of them. Politically correct. So what, what do you do since you have to live among lions? This may sound 
counterintuitive to what I just said, but hear me out. First thing you do when you live among lions, you don't irritate them. There's a right way to go, and I'll tell you how to live among them. In order to make the lion more fierce and bloodthirsty, just irritate him. And when I think about Daniel, he knew who his enemies were. He knew who they were before he got in the lion's den living among them and after. He didn't irritate him. Daniel didn't say, you want to fight? I'll give you one. He knew his enemies scheming and evil intent against him, but instead of getting in their face and irritating them, he went back to doing what he was doing before the king even made the law. He went back to his upper room, opened his window, and prayed. It worked before. It'll work during. And it, this is the same Daniel. The same guy said, I ain't going to eat the king's meat. And I ain't going to drink the king's wine. And I ain't going to worship the king's God. And yet God's going to take care of me. When you are living among lions, do not roar. That's Greek for roar yourself. I'm just having my therapy on you. Just think of, well, I better not say that. You know, sometimes we can be guilty of making matters worse by taking matters in our own hands instead of placing them in the hands of God. We are not likely to get an unsaved husband saved or an unsaved wife or child or relative or co-worker to come to Christ by roaring at him. One form of roaring. Adam is nagging him all the time. Quiet in radio land, but I'm still preaching. That's God, you're going to hell in a handbasket and it won't be my fault. What do you mean I'm going to hell? I'm living in it right. <laughs> it's just, just kidding. You, you, you and I, and I, I'm learning, okay? I'm preaching to the preacher too. Nagging. Criticizing, fault finding. I'm going to call a curse down from heaven and burn you up. <laughs> Remember when the disciples wanted Jesus to do that among some of the enemies? Can I get a witness? Jesus said, I didn't come down here to burn up people. They get burned up, they make their own choice. You see, the natural thing for you to do when you, when you are roaring at is to roar that. Go ahead, nod. I heard some of yours roar. But like that kitty cat. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> video. Remember the video? You know, if somebody gives us hard words, the flesh wants to give back hard words. Is, is that a truth? If somebody gives us bitter words, the flesh wants to give back big, bitter words. The ungodly are like lions, but you're not. You don't try to meet the ungodly on their terms. You will never roar as well and as loud as they do. Here's what I've come to understand, and I'm working on it in my life, so keep praying for me. A Christian doesn't have a knack for roaring. Leave it alone. But I have seen some Christians over which I didn't want to spend too much time nearby. Because everywhere they go, they're starting some kind of roaring about somebody, something. 
They're not here. I wouldn't be talking about them, obviously. You see the empty places here and there? You ever seen people? They're like that guy, uh, Linus, or one of them guys on Charlie Brown. You want to get the cat has got a cloud over his head and carries it, but you remember, huh? Come on, y'all don't know cartoons. That point is worn out. Let me move to something else. When you live among lions, let the lions draw you nearer to God. Isn't that what Daniel did? He went back to his room, opened his window, and prayed. And I'm telling you, sometimes God allows you to live among lions so he can see whether you're just serving him for stuff or you're serving him because you really love him. Yeah. I like the old hymn, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. That's what God often does. God, before you get a promotion like Daniel, and Daniel, before, and he got the promotion. Can I get a witness, somebody? Huh? Before you get a promotion, God's going to test you out. Sometimes he's going to put you among lions. Are you going to backslide, cuss, swear, go get drunk, say, God didn't answer my prayer, so I'm never going to church again, never going. Is that what you're going to do? Or are you going to be like Daniel and say, this may be a storm, it may be a battle, I may be among lions, but God doesn't fail me, and I'm going to keep doing what I know is right. Do not be cowardly when you get among lions. Daniel wasn't. I ain't quitting praying. I ain't quitting reading my Bible. I ain't quitting going to church. Not cowardly. I'm trying to tell you that all Daniel's life, he publicly worshipped God. He wasn't going to change now. Yeah, it would head him to the lion's den. You know, sometimes... We're guilty of this sin of being coward. I know I have. Sometimes because I wanted people to think so-and-so or didn't want to rush their premature judgment about me. And because I know some preachers have gotten bad raps. If I sat on the plane with somebody that I introduced myself to or I met them at a restaurant or whatever. And, and I know the Holy Spirit saying, tell, tell, them, tell them you're a preacher. I'm thinking, uh, I'm an educator. <laughs> I am. But I'm a chicken. I'm a chicken. Like all of us in this house have had God moments in a hospital room, in, 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 a, in a pre-surgery situation, in a doctor's office. Come on, help me here. In a carpool, in an office where stuff is going on and somebody needs to have a little salt and light on them. And the next thing the devil says, don't tell anybody. For some of us, the only time we read our Bible is when nobody's looking. That's coward. The only time we pray is when nobody is looking. We go out to eat. And if we're with our family, we'll pray. But if we're with some people who don't care about God, don't love God, we, we're out with a business kind. We just kind of open our eyes, secret agent prayer. When God blesses you, does He bring you through secret agents? I ain't mad at nobody, but maybe I am. Cowards. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be unkind. When Jesus died 2,000 years ago, outside of the city of Jerusalem on a, on a high hill called Golgotha, he died in public shame, disgrace. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. They stripped his clothes, they beat his back with a cat of nine tails and plowed it up until his flesh hung like strips. 
Anybody know this preacher is preaching? They spat on his face. They put a, put a crown of thorns on his head and mocked at him. He hung with a thief on either side of him. Thousands of spectators. It was the weekend of the Passover, mind you, and the place was filled with travelers. They're semi almost naked. He didn't die on the cross so we could have a nice picture of him on our wall. You, you want somebody need to hear this pastor. He didn't die on the cross so somebody could make a movie about him and we could have rings and, and jewelry designed in the shape of a cross. He died so that we could live. He paid the price for all of our sins and he did it publicly and unapologetically. In this culture and land then we live in, God wants looking for a few more people to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God for it's the power of God. Clap your hands, somebody. I am trying to finish this sermon. And I'm like Brother Wynan yesterday at this funeral. If I get me an amen corner, they're going with me. I'm liable to finish sooner. But if you just hop him hoeing out there, I'm thinking I'll have to keep explaining myself. And we'll be here at 12 tonight because you ain't going nowhere. I locked the doors. What do you think this is? This kind of remote thing? I got them doors locked. Just playing with you. Don't be a coward. Shine your light. Pastor, somebody else is watching. You're absolutely right. His name is Jesus. If you're ashamed of me, Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with his holy angels. But if you square your shoulder, you don't irritate the lion, and you, you just simply... You, you know, here's the best of all. Pray to God to make you a lion tamer. You know what the greatest way to become a lion tamer? It's by your testimony. Your testimony is your greatest source of evangelism. Not one thing Saturday and something else Sunday. How you treat your wife and how you treat the waiter or waitress in public. Your testimony. What you look at in private and what you look at in public. Make sure that it has balance and holiness. That's your testimony. Can I get an amen? Some of you are living in, in, in among lions. And the, and the end of the story is this. And, is that the night of the evening prior where Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. The king, who was a pagan king, stayed up all night knowing that this was the wrong thing done. And I had a part in it. And he fasted. Didn't eat any food. At night, usually he has special musicians to come in and soothe him before he goes to bed. Didn't ask for no musician. And you know what, what Daniel was doing? I, I think this would be okay because the lions didn't touch him. He just found him one of them fat lions. Fat, chunky lines. Patted him down. Laid right on him. And there was a competition on whether the lion or Daniel was sleeping more soundly. And who was snoring louder. I kid you not. I was sleeping last night in the bed. And Valerie and Prissy's in the bed. And Prissy was snoring louder than me. Prissy, keeping me up. The man was sleeping. And the, and, and the king woke him up in the morning. This is why you can't sleep in this church. Because you never know what pitch I'm going to. But I'm, prepared. I'm preparing you. 
When the sun rose, the king went over the balcony looking down at those lions in that den of maybe 15 to 20 lions. And he hollered out, Oh, Daniel, has your God whom you serve been able to deliver you from the lions? He said, Oh, king, God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions and they have not hurt me. Stand up to your feet and thank God for the power of God over your lions. Clap your hands like you got the victory. Come on, come on. If you a lion tamer. <laughs> oh, God, make me a lion tamer. Yeah. Remain standing. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. The king said, that's all I need right there. Right here. Daniel wasn't hurt at all. But now... If you will let the lion of the tribe of Judah do your fighting for you. The king sent and got every one of Daniel's enemies and their wives and their children. This is the story. I didn't write it. It's negative, but it's a consequence of sin because nobody sins by themselves. Nobody fights God by themselves. It has effects on others. And the king commanded that all of Daniel's enemies, their wives and children, be thrown in the lion's den. And the Bible said all of their bones were broken before they hit the den. They were all killed. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah said, I will have the last word. And Daniel was elevated to the position of leadership. And the king made a decree that there's no God like Daniel's God. I make a decree now that you don't serve me 30 days or not. You don't serve me for the rest of the 29 days of this stupid law that they had me sign. You serve Jehovah. By way of invitation and the love of my heart to you and by way of these people who will come for prayer. I want Pastor, Brother Sammy. I just promoted you, Brother Sammy. You come on up anyhow, Brother. I want your prayer team to come stand at this altar. I got anybody in any lines then you want to say, Pastor, I ain't leaving here with no line roaring over me. I'm going to roar my praises to God and chase them away. If you are living in a lion's den, figuratively, I mean. Oh, anyway, I'm not here for you to confess to me or to these people. If you say, Pastor, I'm leaving here today not being the tail but being the head. I want to have power to tame my lions. And to not be a coward. Come from wherever you are. Come. Nobody's to embarrass you. I'm not embarrassed. Come and when you come, raise up your hands. And begin to praise Him. All over the church, begin to praise Him with me. Praise Him. Everybody just begin. You know somebody fighting lions. It may not be you. It may be the lions of cancer. It may be the lions of money. It may be the lions of raising children. It may be the lions of drugs and alcohol. Come on, raise up your hands. Plead the blood over those people right now. And as these comes, come in Jesus' name. Whether somebody's praying with you or not, just raise your hands and begin to bless them. If nobody's standing with you, you just praise the Lord anyhow. Come on. Somebody will get to you in a minute. Sing, my brother. Sing. Help me praise Him. I worship you, God.